Welcome to episode 18 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Carla Leon. Let's go. Today's guest is Carla Leong, who's an athletic therapist, a mother, and a wonderful human being. And I don't say this lightly, but she's the best manual therapist I've ever had the chance of working with and being treated by. If you've been paying attention to the podcast, you'll know that I had my series of knee injuries many years ago, or I guess not that long ago, I'm not that old. But Carla is the one who helped me the most. I saw many people. Carla was the last person I saw because she was the best. She helped me through everything. She taught me how to move, taught me how to think about my body, and she saved my knee, and I don't say that lightly, but she also, by extension of that, shaped a lot of the way that I think about the human body and movement and physical health and fitness overall, and by extension of that, again, shaped who I am as a person and as a professional, so I'm eternally grateful to her for that. She works out of Iconic Health now in Vaughn, Ontario, if you're in and around the area. Highly recommend going to see Carla if you've got any aches and pains or just need to tune up on your body. We all need to spend a little bit of love in TLC and, and give our body some maintenance, especially through these times. So definitely if you're in that area, go check it out. We spoke a lot about the need to take ownership of your own health, rehab, fitness, because us as therapists and coaches can only hold your hand for a little bit, but we can't be with you all the time. We've only got 30 minutes or an hour a couple times a week, so you've got to take control of it on your own. We spoke about juggling fitness and being a mom and the stresses of regular life and how you need to mix all those things together and taking things slow and setting realistic expectations for our fitness and health. Carla also talked about the use of fitness as me time to be the best version of herself, to be the best therapist, mother, partner, friend, person as she can be. And we even spoke a little bit about body image and how this affects everyone at any stage of life and at any stage of fitness. And I think that that's an important differentiator. Yes, people who are in health and fitness are generally perceived as, oh, you shouldn't have you know, you shouldn't care about the way your body looks because your body looks great. It's all relative and we all need to deal with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it is important to use that as a motivator, but to also keep in mind the bigger picture. It's more important to be able to play with your kids and do cartwheels when you're a grandfather or a grandmother than, you know, make your butt look nicer or have those abs or have big arms. Those things are important and they matter, but being able to use your body and function as a human matters more. So, we got into that a little bit near the end of the episode, but it was a fantastic conversation. We spoke about a lot of things. I hope you'll enjoy it and take a few things from this that you can apply to your own life. I will include all of the contact information for Carla and the clinic in the show notes as per usual, again, in Vaughn, Ontario, Iconic Health. And that's that. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here it is, my conversation with Carla Leong. Carla, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to see you again. Great to be here. How are things going? Good. I mean, given what's going on in the world today, I guess I'm pretty fortunate. So yeah, it's going. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You've, you've been able to still work this whole time and be treating people more or less. Yeah. I mean, um, it changed from, that's a question I get a lot because the first time everybody was shot down and so we weren't working. So we went 10 weeks. We we're fortunate to be one of the first if you want to call it non, I'm using air quotes, non-essentials to start opening last summer. Um, But through the, what lockdown are we on now? I don't know. Um, The next, the the following ones, um, we knew that they changed the rules and they would maintain all healthcare um, throughout throughout those. Um, I'm sure there's decisions, better decisions that were made in terms of that. so yeah, that worked out well for us, but we always make sure to let everybody know that yes, we're still open. Yes, we're still considered part of essential in there. 
for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems quite a challenge for anyone who's a manual therapist to be able to do your job virtually of all the things that can be done virtually, putting your hands on a, on a human is not one of them. Right. And I mean, I think the idea of what is central has also changed over the last, you know, year and a bit or whatever, what we're ever on right now. But if we think about in, in a different way that yes, we may not be treating COVID positive patients or being in those wards and that kind of thing. Um, but what we can do is keep people out of from doctors and hospitals unnecessarily. Um, so what was happening last year, I had a patient of mine who's a paramedic and she was very quiet when March, when sorry, when lockdown happened. And she says two things happened. Either yes, people weren't getting hurt, which is great, or things weren't happening, or two, people were afraid and not getting help when they needed to. Um, so for me, and we got emails all the time asking, are you open? Like, are you there for emergency? So technically we were open for emergency cases, but I felt, we felt like the line was very vague and um, sort of like, where would we go with that? If we, was there an argument, whether someone was emergency or not emergency, I, we just felt that was a little bit unclear. So we just said, if you're not sure we can do a virtual or go see a doctor. And then now you're starting to think about it, that sending them to the hospital, sending them to a doctor is probably not the most ideal, but that's all we had at the time. And clearly someone, someone, you know, up top thought about that. And so, yeah, so here we are. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And thankfully, and thankfully they did. And, and I want to kind of get into that a little bit um, deeper with you, but just off the top for anyone who may not know who you are and what you do, um, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself quickly and tell us, tell us all that. Um, so I'm an athletic therapist. I'm also a kinesiologist as well. Um, I always say athletic therapists are AT, uh, first and foremost. That was sort of the profession that I went into. Not a, a lot of people know about us. We're a smaller, very specialized group. Um, so typically we are, are we specialize in uh, activity-related injuries. So that's the easiest way to think about it, not necessarily athletes only. So even though it does say that in a name, um, I think we actually used to be called sports therapist, I think originally, but they changed that not name because I think it was a bit deceiving in, in terms of who we treated. So I like to say, it's not about who we treat, it's how we treat. So you don't have to be an athlete to come see us, but we use a sports medicine model and studies show that sports medicine model works for everybody. So what does that mean? Like we're talking about exercise, active rehab. So not just, you know, come in here, lay on the table and I do everything. Uh, of course I do work, but you got to do work too. So that includes your own homework, exercise, rehab, return to play, everything from table to return to sport or work or everyday life. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the easiest way to, to think about it. And you know, some people say, well, what's the difference between you and a physio as an example? And I'm sure you had that question when we first met or how are you better or different or whatever? No one's like really better. It's just more like, what are you looking for out of treatment? Um, we can do everything from that rehab, post-op, post-surgery, as you know, post-op mm -hmm. um, or pre-op um, to back to whatever activity that you're looking for. And if you want to increase that, if you want to be more active or get more in shape, part of our training is also um, strength and conditioning as well. So <laughs> I think one of the, one of the really nice things about an athletic therapist and the title almost like doesn't do you guys a service because it has the word athlete in it. And people will, many people will say, well, I'm not an athlete. I'm 
I'm, you know, a mother, father, banker, you know, whatever I am. Um, but you, you do have the space to kind of take that more holistic approach to things and look at the whole person as opposed to being kind of stuck in a, in a box. And I think that maybe that might be lost somewhere. And I'm not sure if you saw a few episodes back, I had a conversation with a guy named James Gardner, who's also an athletic therapist and a fantastic um, person. And we talked about how, you know, taking that holistic approach and how you need to analyze all the things about a person's life, whether they're an athlete or a regular person as not a professional athlete to kind of treat whatever they've got going on and how we should all be moving and taking care of our bodies in this way. And then kind of circling things back to the essential term, given the context of COVID, like, yeah, we, we do need to be taking care of our body and we do need to be uh, we do need people like yourself to help us how to, to learn how to do that so that we can avoid the things that get worse and then requires a hospital visit. Exactly. I mean, um, I think of it this way. So whether you're a factory worker or whatever, um, doesn't matter what you are, there's some sort of athletic thing that in your life you will at some point be required to do. It could be something silly like I'm running to catch the bus or I'm chasing my child or whatever the case is. At some point you may have to be able to sprint or run down or jump or run away to run to something or run away. And um, my job is to make sure that you don't have those limitations that you can do that. Even if you just have to do it once in your life, I wanna make sure that you can, you'll be able to do that and not suffer consequences for it. Right. And that that kind of ties into your whole holistic approach It's not just getting you better, right, treating the actual injury. It's can you become better for it, better generally. Right. For me, let's take an athlete. Um, you want to obviously rehab the injury, but I want you to be better, be back better as a better, more efficient athlete. Because what happens with whether it's athlete, anybody, if I do that, then the chances of you re-injuring it greatly decreases. Right. Mm hmm. For sure. And and the focus on movement afterwards as part of the treatment, it's not just, like you said, to reiterate it, it's not just get you better It's or, or get you healthy. It's reduce the injury and then get you better and improve on that so that it doesn't happen again. And I think taking that athletic background is kind of the missing link there where maybe other professions, you know, individuals will have that, but the profession as a whole may not push that in like the actual schooling of it. And so I think that that athletic therapy background really does a very good job at that. And I certainly experienced that in the time that we worked together. And, you know, I was an athlete at the time or not worked together. You were treating me, <laughs> but I wasn't an, an athlete, I guess, at the time um, yeah. and trying to get back. But, you know, you were the first one who taught me how to like how to move properly. But previous yeah. to working with you, it was always okay, you know, do this, do this. So the swelling's down. Does it hurt anymore? No. Okay. You can probably play now. But then with you, it, it went, you know, 25 steps further than that to like, let's figure this out and let's make you move better so that this stops happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you're right. That's only, that's the missing link. I think is that is sort of that transition, um, twofold really. Um, how do we transition you from that to, um, sorry, how do we, how do we trans that's the missing link. So let's say someone is only doing the rehab. So you're, you're a soccer player. So ankles, knees, all very, very common. So I get this thing a lot. It's like, so I injured my ankle three weeks ago. I couldn't walk all this stuff, had all the swelling, but the swelling's gone. I can walk now, but I can't play. Like I can't, I can't full sprint. I can't cut. I can't decelerate, but my whoever I saw, I don't want to say physios, but that's just generally what people see or, uh, you know, like I call that all the time and I have to correct, but, you know, they said, I'm, I'm fine and I'm good to play. I'm doing the band work and I can stand on one foot and I can do a calf raise, 
but I'm not fully recovered for soccer. And that's that in-between phase that I think where is sort of our real bread and butter. butter. Um, obviously I can do return to play stuff, but that's when my job is to get to that point and then refer to someone like you, do the SNC and I can just sort of um, recommend and that kind of thing. I love to do that stuff. I love to do this, the SAQ, so the speed, agility, quickness work. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of brings me back to my sprinting days, but uh, that's the missing piece I find. Like, how do we jump from table to full, you know, 90 minutes of soccer, whatever sport you're doing. Um, And I think that is tend to be a missing point for uh, a lot of people. And some people, A, don't stick it out that long, um, but that's where I think we really come in uh, sort of the difference maker with that, that transition. Right. Right. I totally agree. And I think that that might even be, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in someone who's not an athlete who's going back to sport, that link might be harder to make for them, the patient. Whereas, you know, I'm not trying to get back to playing 90 minutes. If I can walk down the street, then I'm quote unquote good. And then that's where the, you know, your own uh, therapy or you stop with the exercises, you stop with your uh, recovery, and then you never actually solve that issue. There's something underlying there that just builds up for years and years and years and years. And then, you know, you're, you're only 50 and you can't walk anymore and that's not okay. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and that's another thing with with me. Um, it's that maintenance thing, just like anything else, right? We put our body through the ringer, right? Like, you change your oil, you go to the dentist, you brush your teeth every day, like you don't brush your teeth because you got your teeth are rotten, you don't want to have cavities, you don't want your teeth to look terrible, whatever. Um, those are the things that we do every day. Right? Um, but we don't necessarily do it with our bodies. Take someone who's got like a motorcycle, expensive car, they're out there like, I see, you know, I shouldn't say just guys, but it happens a lot, uh, waxing their cars, cleaning it, doing all that stuff, but I guarantee they don't do that with their body, right? That's what I'm not, you know, that's what I want to see. It's an investment in yourself is to to do that. Um, And so that's what I say for a lot of people that only come see me. to what I call a quote unquote, like put out the fire. You come, you come to see me when you're sideways. I'm like, that's not good enough. Um, obviously I'll fix you, but I can only spend time putting out the fire and I can't do, I can't lay the proper foundations. I'm too busy working on what's, um, what's really painful, really bad right now, but to prevent you from getting to that point again, I would like to be able to see you before then. Um, and that does happen with people and they say, oh, I wanted to come see you last week. And I just, you know, I thought I could pull it off and it happens a lot. And then I threw out my back or I did. He's like, I knew it. I should have come <laughs> see you last week. I thought about it. And then you just hold it off and you hold it off. But at least I have those people trying to recognize that. And that's what I try to preach, so to speak, is that and that maintenance, right? Um, doesn't matter who you are, how active you are, but you get hurt doing too much work, being an athlete or whatever, factory worker, doesn't matter. Um, and you get hurt doing nothing, like sitting at a desk, posture, neck, back, mm-hmm. see all those things. So maintenance becomes important for everybody. Yeah, it is such a curious thing that as people, we just kind of put our own bodies behind us. We'll care, you know, people will care about their plants, their, you know, your, your, your monetary investments, your car, like all these other things, way more than caring about your body. And it doesn't really take that much work. You don't have to be some super athlete working yeah. out three times a day, taking 97 supplements. Like you don't have to do all that. It's yeah. to, to, to just maintain yourself and not make your body degrade too much is really not that difficult. And I think that in, in this profession of fitness and health overall, like us as practitioners or coaches, trainers, whatever, you know, title one wants to give themselves. One of the most challenging things is like, I wish that I could, I can only give you so much. 
And then you, the patient, you've got to do most of the work on your own. I wish that I could hold your hand and, you know, stay with you 24 hours a day and make sure that you do all the things, but we just, it's just not possible. Right. And so everyone kind of has to take ownership of their own body and, and make things happen. Right. I mean, I can only, I'm with you for, let's say you come see me once a week. I see you for half an hour. Mm-hmm. And what is it that you're going to do outside of this? Right. And there's accountability for everybody. Um, for people, I, I don't want to give all my tricks, I guess, but for some people that say, oh, well, I didn't do my exercise or, or didn't whatever. And I'll say, yeah, I know I can tell, right? Like I know you can, you got patients out there, don't lie because we know, right? <laughs> so don't even try, just be, at least be honest, right? Um, but I, I like to say that I'll give you a set of exercises and homework and, and whatever. And I'll say, listen, here's the deal. You do it for one or two weeks every day or like consistently, just do it. This is the deal. Do it every day or whatever it is. If you don't feel better, then okay, you win. You win. I was wrong, but I haven't been wrong yet. So I've lost <laughs> it. It seems to it seems to work, but um, it's a it's giving them a little bit of that power or control to kind of see. But um, kind of going back to um, some of your previous posts about the plants and the dogs and stuff like that is really interesting because I'm part of that too. And sometimes we're our own worst patients, but that's part of my goals for this year to be better. And we always do that. Busy telling everyone else what to do. But the thing about plants and dogs and all the things like that, we have to do that maintenance because they can't tell us when something's wrong until we see our plants is dead. Until as for the dogs, we spend a lot of money on them because they can't tell us um, what's wrong if they're sick or whatever, sometimes it's by the time we physically notice it, it's, it's too late. So that's the same thing with, with us. Um, I think you intuitively, you know, if you're aware of your body, you kind of know until it's too late. When I start asking questions and and digging into what you've done and what's changed in the past, there's always something that does it. Yeah. Very rarely did someone just randomly throw their back out bending over. Like it doesn't, that doesn't just happen unless you get in some, you know, crazy motor vehicle accident. Then sure, that's totally different. But I mean, if you're just bending over to pick something up and you throw your back out, like that's been coming for months and maybe years, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned about the the movement and, and doing your exercises and winning it. And even my grandfather, he had a total knee replacement called two or three years ago, something like that. And, you know, he's stubborn old man for, for lack of <laughs> better, better terms here. Um, but anyways, after, you know, there's a lot of rehab that comes with a knee replacement. You don't just go to the hospital, they put a new knee in and then you just walk out of there perfectly fine. And so some days he would do them and, and most of the time he wouldn't. And the days that he did, he would do his rehab exercises. He'd say, ah, you know, Daniel, I feel better. I said, mm-hmm. okay, so like keep doing it. Like, why don't you do it? Ah, but it's hard. I don't want to do it. Well, you know that you feel better, like you just got to do it, but it's so hard to just wrap our head around it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the mental or the mental emotional thing that both of us as, as trainers and therapists have to deal with every day is kind of getting around that. It's more like, okay, well, I know this exercise takes three minutes out of your day. If you do all of them, it takes eight minutes. Right. So that's one other thing. And you get this too. It's part of the assessment is like how much time you have to devote to your exercises. If it's 10 minutes a day, I'll fill that 10 minutes right? Yeah. If it's 30 seconds between whatever, then it's fine. But once I add up all the exercises, if I give you like, let's say five exercises, um, I don't like to give too much more than that. Cause the, the optics of that is that there's a lot, but even when you break it down, I'm like this thing, if you did it all would take you six minutes. Do you have six minutes in your day? Yes, you do. Everyone's got six minutes. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to get there. And I, I think that, um, for 
the exercise, you don't always see the meat. That's a good example. You don't always see the immediate um, benefits of it, right? It's something like that in post-op doing your structure and things like that, you might. Um, but the exercise or the strengthening, I always say, and you, I'm sure you get this too, it takes time to develop. So that's the one thing that I say, you're not gonna get the immediate relief from. You may get immediate relief from stretching, um, which is great, but that's only one part of the equation. You gotta do that, but then you gotta strengthen. You gotta be able to hold the position that you're in. So you gotta have you gotta have both. You gotta have that balance. And if you really wanna get better, you you have to find in yourself to to make time, really, right? Yeah, I love that. I mean, it always sounds easier. I mean, it's easier said than done. It only takes six minutes. It only takes 10 minutes. And I think probably all of us are kind of guilty of that. Like, oh, it's so obvious because it's so, it seems so easy to us, but we know we waste how many 10 minute periods do people waste scrolling on Instagram or you know right. whatever, tons, tons of them. Yeah. But you know, it, it's still more difficult to take 10 minutes to do your exercises or to go for a walk or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But um, yeah, it, it's just a, it's just such a curious thing. But I wanted to just highlight the the thing you said about the stretching. I think that that's something that is often, I find that it's often misinterpreted as well, where stretching is great, but it doesn't do anything if you don't put any force through it at the end of that. If you can just get into this weird position, that's okay, but do you have any control there? And I think that, well, why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Because you can probably go way more into detail that than I can. Yeah. I mean, for me to be the most effective, you need both. For me, it's like, getting stronger or um, using those muscles without stretching or having the flexibility or mobility is not as effective. Uh, the muscles aren't as efficient or effective. Um, and same thing with doing stretching on its own. They're, it's a marriage, they have to work, they work together, it's like a push-pull. So posture stuff, postural issues are a huge thing that I, I get, whether it's low back, neck, shoulder, stability issues. Um, so as an example, hip flexors, pecs, those are one of the most commonly tight muscles all the time. So here, so this is an example is if I stretch my pec all the time, every day, that's great. Your muscles are going to get a little bit looser. They're going to be a bit more flexible, but rotator cuff, which is the antagonist, if they, if these are not strong, they can't hold your shoulder in position, then it's just going to creep forward. So that'd be an example of almost, it's almost like at a, you end up wasting your time a little bit, right? You're only doing one half of the equation and you'll never get truly better if you don't do both. So you need both. And the same thing, if you're trying to strengthen your rotator cuff, but you can't get your shoulder to move backwards, then those muscles are working much harder than they need to be. If we work harder than they need to and their means are less efficient, does that lead to injury? Yeah. For so. sure. And, and probably with the posture is one of the biggest examples of that. And I would also imagine during COVID, it's been more highlighted because anyone who's trying to do home workouts, like we're all too hunched over. We were already too hunched over and, and tight packs and all that stuff. And then put COVID on top of that. Now we're at home, not moving. It's just probably even worse, you know, on, on a grand scale. But then everybody's doing, you know, how, how many pushups have, have been done in the past year? Millions yeah. of pushups. And if you don't have like, you know, even a, an exercise band or any type of workout equipment, there's yeah. there's not really a good way to train your back or your rotator cuff or any of that stuff. So you're just making that tighter and tighter and stronger with yeah. the back getting just weaker and weaker and lo and you yeah, know, looser. Yeah. And it's and it's just exacer exacerbating the problem. Yeah, I mean, we we tend to call that sort of uh, training into your imbalance, right? That's what, that's probably the easiest way to describe it is. Just you're exactly what you said is you do it and you keep doing it and it keeps tighter and tighter and tighter. And now you're just increasing that imbalance between the anteriors of the front and the, and the back. 
Um, and then when you get to the point and now you come see me or come see and you're like, now I got my, I've got my shoulder injury and I have no idea why. And it's like, I'm doing hundred pushups a day, but I'm not stretching. And then I go and I do everything forward and I scroll on my phone. I have actually had a bunch of like iPad phone related type injuries. They're like, well, I hold my iPad in this, or I'm on this game or I'm scrolling. Um, so that's probably something that's, I guess the future, um, we used to say, well, I'm probably dating myself, but like Blackberry uh, <laughs> related injuries with the with the typing and everything like that, the thumbs, yeah. right? Yeah. 3D keyboards, all that stuff. But now everything can be done is technology, not just COVID. I think COVID has shown us that we can do everything remote and we've increased the use of technology um, and everything can be done in the touch of a button. You don't have to get up. Amazon, boom, here by nine o'clock. That's great. I'm, I'm not knocking and I do use it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but the positives and negatives of it. So if we're not going to move so much, I think we've, um, and I get this a lot from some of my patients that commuted, you're kind of um, forgetting that, yes, you did work 40 hours in Toronto, but you also walked, got to the, got up, went to the go station or parked your car, walked to the go station, went from union, walked to your, to your work and then walked back. Maybe that doesn't seem like a lot, but you did it every day and now you're not doing it and you're still doing the same amount of city, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I've, I've seen this with a lot of my clients and other people just speaking to them online is even just resulting in weight gain. People are saying, well, I'm eating the same as I was eating before. I didn't fall into the trap of binging on chips and cookies every night. Like I've been eating well, but I'm gaining weight. Like what's going on here? And I said, well, you're not, you're not walking laps around the office to go to the bathroom. You're not walking from the parking lot to this. So like the daily activity, maybe that doesn't even add up to a whole lot. Maybe it's, you know, the equivalent of three to 5,000 steps in a day, but you're still not doing it. And so that lack of activity times one year is going to lead to weight gain if you're eating the same, right? So you've got to adjust down to to offset that, which is an unfortunate thing. And hopefully that that ends soon and people are able to to adjust for that. But have you seen other types of injuries or cases, types of patients like shifting or, or trending in certain in a certain direction due to things related to COVID? Um, yeah. So a lot of people were not meant to work from home. Some people that do occasionally may have one office or just like a tiny little thing. Like we have that at home too. Like I, you know, I, or the kitchen table, but now, especially with families, you're finding both, if both parents are working at home and you may have one office set up, if you even have one, someone's at the kitchen table, right? And you have mm -hmm. kids at school. So maybe someone's at the kitchen table with the kids and then someone else gets the, the office, but that's not, so it was not set up for 40 plus hours in a week to work. Um, it's good enough to work from home occasionally or do some, I don't know, bills or taxes or whatever you're doing, but you never thought that hard about it because you just, you're not, you weren't putting money into it um, because it just wasn't a huge part of your day. And now it's your whole day or your majority of your week. So simple things of like people are working on laptops right? Maybe at work, they're working on actual desktops with computer, I'm sorry, keyboards and that kind of thing. And the, the biggest thing I was like, well, just put it, you don't have to get anything expensive, like put a book or a cardboard box and raise your laptop, right? Right now I'm on, I'm at work. So I have, I'm on the treatment table, but I have a little box here. Cause it's, so I can be a little bit more centered and some people, people are like, man, that's a good idea. Like, why don't I think about it? I'm like, it's my job. <laughs> um, 
things like that. Or I was like, it's, you could buy a keyboard, right? Cause I'm on my laptop. It's a, not a great, it's not ergonomically set up, right? Yeah. For laptops, it's meant for on the go. It's not meant for you to be there all the time. I'm like, go get a keyboard. Even if it's wired, it'll cost you like $5. I'm sure I don't really know, but um, especially for a wired one, it's not hard to get one. Then you can set up your keyboard wherever it is. So it's little things like that, the adjustments. Um, so that's where I'm seeing it, neck pain or, um, like sit stand desk can be really expensive too. Yeah. So, I mean, if you get work reimbursements or something like that, that is something that I do recommend. That's just generally not even work from home. Um, but I think a benefit of it is that you can walk around at home. Maybe you feel weird walking around stretching at the office, but you could definitely do it home. But that's so that's the, that's one of the things. Not having a good chair, not having the right setup, um, all those things that um, is a you probably don't think about at work. Or if you do say anything, oh yeah, I guess my chair is not that good. But it's all those little things that I have to kind of um, review with them and go over. And I have had to do, I've done a few virtual ones, which I think is actually a great use of the virtual um, platform is to look at some home office uh, setups to give them some tips on how to how to do that. Um, so that's probably the biggest newest thing, I guess. You have your normal desk job type injuries and now you have it even like tenfold because you just don't even have a, a proper workstation or you're sitting on a wooden uncomfortable dining chair for 40, 50 hours a week. And I think everyone just keeps waiting to go back to the office and it's like, well, I don't know if I should invest mm -hmm. in it. Um, but the reality is I don't, I mean, I think the flexibility to work from home is going to be a lot greater. Or hopefully, I mean, um, so it's now, what are we, 15, 16? I don't even know anymore, but it's a well over a year. So from a year, 15 months ago, they're like, I don't know, we're going to go back to the office by September. And that's what everybody thought. September rolls around and doesn't happen, doesn't happen. And you still haven't made that in investment in your in yourself, right? I think people just don't think about an office setup for myself as an investment in myself, but at the end of the day, it will be, you'll see it in the year in a bit. So yeah, I was, I was just going to add that as well. Like it's, it is a little bit of investment and for sure. So many of us were kind of hesitant because maybe you had enough space to kind of get it done. It's like, ah, oh, well, it's just a couple months. It's not worth getting a new desk and chair and like, and all this setup. Then what am I going to do with it after it's just going to be in the way it's going to be collecting dust in my house, but it's been some time now. And, and almost certainly work from home is going to be something that maybe you won't do hundred percent, but people will probably do more often than previous to COVID. So it does make sense to make that small investment. It doesn't have to, you don't have to get like, you know, a $3,000 chair, but just a better, a better chair than, you know, <laughs> laying back on the couch is, is probably useful. And, you know, a mouse and keyboard and those simple things are relatively cheap that and easy to get and solve a big problem. I noticed that even with myself, I was having issues with my, my hands and my elbows. And I was like, well, yeah, because I'm on my laptop too much by a mouse, by a keyboard solved relatively quickly. Right. Exactly. And, and one other thing that I wanted to ask you on that in relation to, to COVID, I don't want to spend so much time talking about COVID, but, um, in relation to athletes, are there, are there concerns for post COVID return to play where athletes will be detrained, have poor posture, weak injuries, not being dealt with for the past year and a half? Like, what does that look like in the athlete world? Um, I mean, I've, I've been in I've been fortunate um, that I work with our provincial um, women's soccer uh, program. So we've been able to con uh, continue training as we've got high performance exemption with that. Um, 
but it has been it has been tough. We did voluntarily go out when the cases were quite high over the holidays. It just didn't seem like it was it was worth the risk. Um, so we only had a, a few of our carded athletes that that were training. Um, yeah, like I didn't I don't specifically do the program design. Um, with that, we have we have scientists and that kind of thing set up for that. But um, definitely, it was almost harder. They're getting more burnt out almost because. Um, to kind of go um, the highs and lows of it, to go the training they go to and then do nothing. They, of course, have programs and things like that at home to do, but they're limited to what they had at home. There was no gyms and things like that um, for them for them to do. And then when they got back and it's like, I think it was a mental load as well um, to all of a sudden just be hit with it again and be back with everybody and training. And um, I think it's on the back of everybody's mind. So I'm not sure we necessarily saw the the injuries that go with from, from COVID. Um, but I think it's more of the bot, like the body in terms of fatigue and, and the mental aspect of that. Um, I don't know, I guess I'll have to see when, when sports actually come back. It definitely did affect our, our girls in terms of what their training and their load was like. Definitely our first like scrimmage or whatever. They just, I said, it's been 20 minutes and they're, they're dying. Like it's just not <laughs> yeah. training, right? So you can see that. Um, so we've been managing, we, like I said, we're fortunate to have people to be able to manage their load and for, to have eyes and ears like us watching from afar to, to take a look at that. Um, it'd be also interesting to see some of the athletes, for example, in NHL, NBA, and that kind of thing who actually had um, COVID to see what that recovery looks like or how that affects them in the future. If we look at our team, so I'm a huge Raptors fan, go Raptors. Um, I mean, if you were paying attention, we were just decimated by, um, COVID in March, so I'm going a little bit off topic with this, but um, then we saw the repercussions of it after. You had players playing well more minutes than they were supposed, like they normally would have, and then we're just putting our starters back in, and they got rocked, and they got injured, like non-COVID injuries, if you will, and people are just asking the questions, like, I don't understand. Everybody's back. Why aren't we where, where we're at? Um, I think because we're asking not just those pro athletes, but athletes in general to come back after two weeks after a, a virus, after a disease, right? And expecting them to to be where they're at, where we have protocols. So we unfortunately had some cases um, in ours as well. So we're in the processes of, in the process of um, their return to play from, from COVID and it's affected um, our athletes in, in different ways. Um, so we do have a protocol in terms of, um, it's been actually almost a month and she's still not full training yet. I mean, her, she was affected a little bit more than our, than our other athlete. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see what she's like when she does finally return. Cause we are able to control that and manage that, but you're looking at like pro athletes or any other high performance athlete that just like two weeks and then just go. And we did see, at least for the Raptors, how that how it affected them. The other things came up, um, so we're trying to mitigate that as much as as much as possible. Um, I do see a lot of like other uh, athletes, um, hockey players, and that kind of thing, and they really haven't been able to play much at all. So hopefully, they're able to get back in the next few months, and I think we'll be able to be able to see it. Um, you probably be looking at just aside from the respiratory issues with it. Um, just the lack of activity, even though they're, they're training. Um, sorry, I'm jumping around here, but we have, I had an athlete, so you assumed that the rest we were off, she would get better, but in fact, she actually got a little bit worse. And she was like, I don't understand. Like I haven't been doing it. And I was like, you know what? The problem is that you haven't been able to use those muscles and you weren't active and that kind of thing. And that lack of activity, even if it's not gradual has been actually, um, 
detriment, not detrimental, but it had a negative influence on you. So I think those are the kind of things you, you will see. It'll be interesting to see with um, maybe sort of the recreational athletes or like the rep athletes and stuff like that. Again, we have, we're fortunate with our high performance athletes to, to be able to control for that. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer yet. Um, I guess we'll have to see. Sorry, I don't have a better answer than that. Yeah, no, no, no. It is. It is. I just want to obviously you wouldn't have the answer because we're not out of it yet. Um, just yeah. your thoughts. But it, it seems to line up well. I mean, the athletes who unfortunately did get COVID obviously will be um, affected to varying degrees and that will impact them as well to varying degrees. Some of them might get rocked and then just bounce back as if nothing happened. Some of them right. might have, you know, the most mild case and it will kind of affect them for the next three years. Like, you know, who knows what's going to, what's going to happen there. But it, it does seem that it's just like the time off. It's almost like a, an exaggerated preseason style of injuries where, you know, athletes coming into preseason maybe are, are out of shape. And so the, the athletes who are less go-getters, in yeah. the in their off season are sitting on the couch playing video games doing whatever and you show up in preseason you're doing two a days you're training your ass off mm-hmm. and it's like well now you get injured because you just went from the couch to 150% effort and so yeah. you know just multiply that off season by by one year and i assume that we'll kind of see some of the same injuries there'll be little nagging things hamstring pulls here and yeah. there and twisted ankles things that are just basically due to to detrained athletes and right. not it's like an indirect effect of of COVID and it will be unfortunate. It, it is yeah. great that in the, in the high performance they do have, or there are people to manage this and be on top of the girls and the, and the boys to make sure that they're training as best as they possibly can. But it's the, it's the, you know, the double a hockey players, the, the rep players who don't have like a, you know, a sports scientist or a real strength coach or therapist on staff to, to manage this. It's just the coach who is probably someone's mother or father and, and, you know, they're doing the best that they can, but they just don't know all the things. And so the kids are doing whatever they're doing and then they're going to come back and everyone's going to want to like, go, go, go. And, and I would too, if I was a kid, you know, you didn't get to play soccer for a year and now I'm allowed to play. Like I want to play every single day. I don't want to, I don't want to manage my playing load. Like what is this playing half a game, 20 minutes and I'm tired. Like I'm 14 years old. Just let me play. Right. Right. And, and, and that can be to, to their own detriment, unfortunately. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, you see that with any, any injuries or anyone that's off, but I think the other issue on top of that is, um, so if I get injured, you know, you can, you can still do your workouts and things at home, but maybe you have a gym or something to go to, to do it. Um, I fortunately, you know, fortunately have stuff and stuff like that at home. So I was able to continue like not having gyms or things like that didn't really affect me that much, but if they're off and they're not at training, so some people, they don't come to training if they're, if they're not training and that's fine. Our athlete, our girls do, but you, they're, you're limited to what you have at home. So not even just, I can tell you what you can do, but you're still limited on, on the supplies and equipment that you, that you have at home, because if you don't have it at home and maybe it's winter, maybe you're not running when it's minus 15 or biking or whatever the case is, you don't even have a gym or a rec center or something like that for you to go to. So again, I think um, that's even, that increases those chances of potential injury. You're talking about indirect sort of COVID, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is, this is look, we've, we've passed the point now where the home workouts have run their course at the beginning at the beginning of COVID. It was great. You can get in a decent workout at home with little to no equipment. If you've yeah. just got one band or even if you have nothing, you know, just do some body weight circuit type of thing. That's fine. 
And, you know, I was saying to, to my uh, clients and stuff as well, like, yes, you can still continue to make progress at whatever it is that we were working at at that point. But now it's like, well, okay, I don't know how much real progress we're really making. I think about even myself and, you know, I've got in, in my condo here where I am, I've got a couple kettlebells and a couple bands. That kettlebell only weighs as much as the kettlebell weighs. It is impossible for me to improve my strength because I can't make that thing any heavier. I can yeah. I can only do, you know, more reps, uh, longer eccentric on the thing. But, you know, how, how long am I going to do like a 20 second eccentric? Right. It does, you know, it's not it's not feasible. And so it's to the point where it's like, well, just move for the sake of moving. Anything at this point is almost like better than nothing. Forget, you know, your programming training stuff, like just, just do something because that's going to be better. And and I was, and I'm generally like almost against that because, you know, if you're going to train train properly, like have a purpose, have an intent for what you're doing and, and do it properly. And that intent can be just fun, but it's yeah. like, don't, don't convince yourself that you're getting stronger when, when you're not doing a strength focused workout. And and now it's like, we'll just move for the sake of moving and, and it's okay and it's fine and it serves its purpose, but it's, it's certainly run its course. Right. I mean, it's pretty much like everybody that doesn't have proper equipment or gym or whatever is basically on maintenance for the last 16, whatever. Um, yeah. You're in a bit struggling like, to maintain. You can't, it's very limited on what gains you can make. All you can do is maintain what you have and it becomes really hard. Like I said, you're saying move for the sake of moving. I'm like, well, that's, it's, it's not wrong because you move for the sake of moving to like get to your car, go to work or the grocery store. Now you're just like choosing not to. You're like, I'm going to make sure that I have X amount of things that I want to get before I go. Like you keep waiting and waiting until it's a little bit more essential. Um, and some people more than that, there's like, I have people that I know who just have not left for anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate to, I don't know, fortunate or unfortunate. I don't know, it depends on how you look at it to go to physically go into work every day. Um, but that means I'm moving around. I'm still moving the same amount uh, or relatively um, than other people are. So that's, like I said, it's cumulative, right? And so, as you pointed before, it's just those little things. So maybe, I mean, maybe it's not so bad to say move for the sake of moving because we do usually do it in our every day. Yeah, but now we sure. more if we want to make more games than what we already have. Exactly. You just got to, you got to find something that's even with myself, I've started running again, just because that's something that I can improve at genuinely because, you know, the weather allows for running outside now. Um, but you know, you've got to find, you got to find something that you at least don't hate and, and do that. You might not love the home workouts. You might not love running. You might not love cycling or, you know, whatever, running up the stairs, whatever it is. But as long as you don't despise it, it's still worth (laughs) doing at this point. That's so it's that's the funny way to look at it this year, but that's you're right. That's all we that we have. Um, but you know, with the outdoor amenities and and that kind of thing opening, um, hopefully that helps too. I mean, I think people are itching. I saw the skate park and lots of kids, you know, that kind of thing, and that's great. Um, so hopefully we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, so, we will. We will. I wanted to yeah. ask you now since the last since you traded me all those years ago now you've got two boys and yeah. and how has that impacted your own health and fitness being being a mother now and Ooh. congratulations by the way uh well thank you <laughs> um man i was actually thinking about that in the car right uh, on the way to work i was like man when's the last time i saw you i was like you're like a kid like not a yeah. kid. <laughs> you're a student i remember we were talking about like york and kin and what to do and where we go and whatever yeah it was probably um, in second i was probably I well, it would have been after my it would have been after my 
knee surgery or well after my knee surgery. So it probably would have been at the be- around the beginning of fourth year or something like that. So it's 20, 2016, 2015, 2016, something like that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So still, it was yeah. just like, you're, you still have the same image of, of you and now you got like a beard, you got whatever you're <laughs> a man now. Sorry. <laughs> Not to embarrass you. Uh, but I always think of myself as like the same person and we all change and that kind of thing. Um, it was hard, honestly. Um, that's what I kind of mentioned it before is making sure that I take time for myself um, as a working parent that becomes very difficult and I have a lot of clients, um, patients that are that as well. And um, I get it, like I relate. The time, the limited time that you have, um, or you think that you have limited time now, you add kids and family and work and things like that into the mix that that amount of time gets smaller and smaller and just being able to work if work that in. Um, I, it's, it's been um, a mental thing for me to try and do that because um, it's go, go, go on and busy all the time. And sometimes I work late and I found that the best time for me to even get a workout in is like nine o'clock or later. And that's, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not night owl, so it's not too, too bad, but it's more the, like, I'm supposed to be on shutdown mode. Yeah. Um, So the way that I tried to think about it this year um, is that training and exercise is me time. Like I I talk about that a lot with people. I'm like, you got to find something for yourself. You gotta have me time. So for a lot of people, um, coming in and getting treatment is me time. It's something that's just for you and only you benefit. Well, I shouldn't say only you benefit. I think everybody around you benefits, but like it's specifically for you. So for us, so, so for a, a lot of people, I know me and myself included, is like to get home and just let's go on shutdown mode. I'm gonna scroll or watch Netflix or do all that stuff, and that's me time, and that's great. But I had to change my mindset to, to say that you know what, exercising doesn't feel like me time, but it is because I benefit and I will feel better. Um, so the way I try to do that is even if I do like set up chin-ups or push-ups, one side of something, or I'm going to do a stretch day or a roll day or a core day, I've got to do that. Even if it's 20 minutes, because usually I'll say, you know what, I can talk myself into doing a five minute, whatever. That five minute usually becomes something else. And then you get into it. For me, it's always getting there and starting to do it. Once I'm there, it's, it's fine. And then you feel good, like when you have that soreness and that pain, and you're just like, man, this hurts so good. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of, that's just changing that mindset that working out and exercise is a new thing. And you do have to be selfish um, sometimes and just take it for yourself. Because um, not just you, it's your mental and your physical health and everybody actually benefits from that. So um, it's getting up and, and doing that. And I think once you get into a rhythm, that's, that's good um, for a while to try and get into it. Like last year, one kid wasn't too bad. Two kids was getting harder. Um, I would, so Google, you can set like um, your workouts or something like that, or like as reminders, I can't remember what it's called. Um, so I'd set it like, you know, three times a week at this time or whatever. And then, so if you didn't do it, it would come by and be like, did you do this? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> And I'm like, how many times did I, I click no? So it's trying to shame myself a, a little bit um, into it. But I also have changed the way that I work out. Um, you're right. It's like a it's like a quick pump if you want to call it. Or like for me, I mean, I've always be- I've always believed in more like full body stuff and, and whatever. But I don't have time to do like split days or, or whatever. It's like big complex movements. It could be like um, 
push press and squats and maybe that's all i'm doing that day but it's more full body stuff right i'm going to do like a set of squats i'm going to do a set of chin-ups or push-ups or whatever i choose a couple of things and you don't have to do five of each one i can increase the weight or decrease the the rest with those ones and just kind of um fit it in with that right i mean as as the kids get older probably easier for me to fit it in they can, I'll let my older one take care of the little one or whatever the case is, <laughs> um, or I'll say that, but it'll get a little bit easier. But right now it's, I think it's just trying to fit that in whatever it is. Um, so that kind of goes in, um, links into what you were talking about, like just to move and just to continue to do it. I mean, I want to do more than just move. Um, I think for me, um, being an athlete sort of my whole life and then treating athletes, I have to, but not just from a you know, selfish personal perspective, I feel like I should look and, and, and play the part. I can't tell people to do all this stuff and not do it myself. Then I'm just a hypocrite. Um, so I have to at least do some form of it. I have to, you have to do that. And, you, and, and I've seen you talk about that as well. We spend a lot of time doing that for everybody else that we have to look in the mirror and say, Hey, that's, that's on us, on us too. And, um, just trying to do for me, regular maintenance treatments and that kind of thing. I don't, I shouldn't just go when I'm hurt. I feel something I got to go and I'm like treat me like a patient patient tell me what it is and just do it and tell me what to do pretend I don't know um because we're always you can use like the google machine and figure out what's wrong with you and self-diagnose and all that stuff and I, we all do it right so um yeah just leave it leave let someone else do it for you <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a it's an important reminder that uh, you know fitness and health people we are people too, and so we need that accountability reminder or partner, whether it be Google, whether it be a friend, a coworker, uh, your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, uh, to hold us accountable to actually getting stuff done because we do like doing it, but we have the same stresses and and distractions of life, and, and you know different. Many of us, I have less than you know many people i don't have children to 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 care for so so it's it's i have less excuses than than you do um but um but we still need that accountability to and and it has to come from ourselves too to say like hey this is my job i'm telling you the people to to do this i can't just sit here and not do it that doesn't that doesn't work it feels it feels terrible it's not it's not going to work out in the long run and and i think that like you said, another thing to highlight is just getting like a full body workout and things don't need to be complicated. If we think about like the main movement patterns, I know I've, I know I've talked with this on the podcast before, but squat, hinge, push, pull. Like if you just get those done, you're, you're covering a lot of your bases when you've only got 20 minutes a day, three times a week to work out. Bicep curls don't really have a place unless you disproportionately care about growing your biceps. There's not really a use for that, right? So get your big movement patterns in, move your entire body, get a little bit out of breath and, and you're, and, and you're doing a, a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. One other thing that I wanted to just go back to that you said is, is the concept of me time and it being, a, you have to be selfish. And yeah. and I want to just jump into this a little bit because I think that you're correct in that. Yes, you have to be selfish to seclude that time from others who are demanding your attention and your time for various reasons. But then at the same time, it's almost it's almost selfless what you're doing because if you didn't do that, if you didn't take that me time to exercise, to meditate, to you know do all those things in one, you wouldn't be able to be the best therapist, the best mother, the best partner that you could be. Does yeah. that sort of make sense yeah. and line up yeah. with the way you That's think about I mean. it? It's, it's everybody benefits in the end, right? Yeah. 
So you have to have people around you to support that. This is what I need. So, um, and that is some, some days when I've had tough days, it's more like, okay, I just walk in the house and I, I've got a dog too. And I'm like, I'm just taking her for a walk. It's not because Casey needs it. Well, she, she always wants to walk, but it, it's not just her. That's sort of the excuse sometimes, but it's more like this is, I just need this walk. I need to get out of the house. And that happened for me a lot in uh, a lockdown. Um, I was home with, with two kids and um, I love my kids, love my family, but I just was not meant to stay home with them 24 seven. And so <laughs> fortunately my husband was um, still working in person and uh, sorry, in an in-person job on the essential. Um, and he would just get home and I would just be like, I'm literally have the leash, have the collar. <laughs> I'm going for a walk. And he, and uh, my husband's great. And he was just, he didn't need to ask. There's no questions. He's like, okay, cool. Um, that's just what I, what I needed. And that's kind of similar to it. Is it not just a, it's a physical and mental break. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a runner. Uh, like a long distance runner. I, we've talked about this before. I, I say I'm not a runner. I laugh because I was a sprinter in university. Um, <laughs> the difference between us is, is, or not us, but like longer distance and things like that. I have a conversation with my um, my girlfriend. Um, she's probably going to watch this, listen to this podcast later. So she'll know it's her, but um, talking about running and how she likes to run for us, you know, get that runner's high and whatever. And I'm like, I just, I can't get there for me doing a complex movie and a hard workout that's when i can actually check out i actually start to think too much i know some people like self-reflect and think about their day and that kind of thing when they go for a run i don't want to do that i want to not think and i think people use like tv or like social media and all that stuff to to do that for sure i use that as well but i don't have time to think about this when i'm working hard my heart rate's up that's what i that's what works for me is to clear my mind because my mind is like this all the time. So yeah, I, um, I 100% agree with that. I love yeah. that. I mean, it's, I, I'm exactly the same way. I, I used to like running long distances when it was easy, when I played soccer. Yeah. Now I don't play soccer anymore and it's hard as hell. And I, and I do it now because you know, whatever, because I do it, but I don't love it. I would much rather be, be lifting heavy. And that's where I can really like, I can get into my own head or, or get, or get out of my own head, whichever way you want to, you want to put it, because I have to focus on that when I'm going for a run. I'm not, you know, I'm not running marathons and like crushing myself, but it, but my mind just starts going. I don't, I don't zone out. I'm very much thinking about other stuff and the run is just happening on the side almost. But when I'm lifting in the gym, then I can't, I can't, I can't not focus on that because I'm going to get crushed. Right. (laughs) And so it's a way of, and, and I think that maybe as a former athlete or someone who is in the fitness and health space, we're much more in tune with our bodies. So with some physical stimulus, it's much better. It's much easier rather to, to sort of, uh, get in that zone, so to speak, rather than me just sitting here and trying to meditate and, and, you know, I'm working on that and I can kind of get there as well, but it's much easier with some physical, some heavy physical stimulus as well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, like I said, I was unfortunate to have some of my stuff at, at home. So it wasn't, didn't affect us, but 100%. 100%. I am always, and I see it because I, I look at your videos and they're great. And some of them, I'm like, hey, we talked about this stuff <laughs> way back when. But like the cueing and the focus and the concentrating, all the little details with it. And I think a lot of people don't realize it, but I have to do it for myself. I'm not perfect. Yep. I wish I could do everything perfectly, but I want to be able to show people how to do it. So I'm equally focusing on that. And I've had two kids. So my body's unfortunately changed and I wasn't the most happy uh with it um that's probably more of a mental 
thing rather than physical, I guess. Uh, your body changes and that's the reality. Um, wouldn't change anything for the world, but like for me, I'm like, I gotta get my butt back. Like, you know, and this is kind of, you know, sort of the driving, I don't want to say driving factor, but it is a bit of a thing. And I'm like, this is not what my butt used to look like. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, I can tell you're, you're, you're being careful to say that, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like again, us fitness and health people, you know, we're not immune to these, call it body image issues. I mm-hmm. think that's maybe, maybe a little bit of a strong term, but it's, but it's the same kind of same family of thought process, if you will. And so yeah. using that as a motivation, of course, like you just had two children. Yeah. Your body's going to be different. Anyone who who goes through any like big change. Yeah. Your body's going to change. It's okay to want to improve the aesthetics mm-hmm. of your body. That's yeah. not something that we should, we should demonize. And it's relative to everybody. Someone may want to gain weight. Some people may want to lose weight. Someone may be relatively heavy in the eyes of others and they absolutely love their body. Don't want to change anything. That's, you know, all okay. Assuming you're healthy and all that. So it's, but it's just all relative, right? And so people, I almost shy away from this sometimes and and it's affects me way less as a male as opposed to being a female. But when you're someone who is quote unquote in shape and you talk about, oh, I'm, I'm kind of out of shape or I want to get, you know, bigger, leaner, you know, whatever people kind of look at that and be like, my, like, you know, shut up. Like, who, who are you? Like, look at you. Like, I, I only wish I could be like you. And I think that another part of this is those of us who are in this world, there, there is a, there is a point where ignorance is bliss before you start working out. You don't realize the things that you're not missing. And then you start getting into this and you, there's always someone ahead of you to compare yourself to as much as any of us think that we're in shape. There's always someone else who's, oh, I wish my arms looked like that guy. I wish my butt looked like that girl. And and there's always something more to strive to. And I think that that's okay. And I don't think that aesthetic goals are necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that they're the strongest motivator for the long term. But if that gets you up off the couch, then by all means, like go yeah. ahead and do that and keep that flame going in, in the back of your mind, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great point uh, that that you brought up. I'm not using it as like a negative for sure. It's just more, it's a part of a motivation, right? Sometimes you just, you like to think that you have the internal motivation all the time, but the reality is sometimes you do need that little external motivation. Um, I think it's a perfect blend to have a little bit of internal and external at the same time. And um, I say this, I I said it since I've had kids and I said, you know, I'm not super happy with my my body. And like I said, I get unfortunate. It's just not, not saying as a negative thing. I just not what it used to be. Um, I don't feel strong. It's not that I'm like, I look disgusting. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. It's like, I just don't feel as strong. And it, the reality was I did lose some muscle mass because I wasn't working out as much. I wasn't lifting um, as much or as hard or as often really. And so obviously there was going to be changes with that. And, you know, my husband would be like, you know what, I, look, I think you look great. And, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I'm not saying that it's like, I, you know, it just means that I, I feel like I'm not as strong as I used to be. So it's part of it is aesthetics, but if, you're not strong. You haven't used the muscles. Those muscles are going to shrink. So part of it is aesthetics, but part of the motivator for me is like not being feeling as strong as I used to be. Like I can't do as much. I can't lift as heavy and I can't chin up as much or pull up as much. And those were kind of the things for me. So, um, and I, and I, that was a big thing. So I, I'm going to get a little bit more personal and I don't really talk about it a ton, but I'll let you know, but I, I actually issue putting, um, the weight back on afterwards and I don't know how many people or friends, family know that I'm pregnant and breastfeeding and that kind of thing, but I was eating like a monster. Like John would be eating, I'd be eating the same amount. He's like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm hungry. Like, I don't know. 
and uh, and they'd be like, well, just wait till you're done breastfeeding, and it'll kind of work out, work itself out. And and it didn't. So I guess the point where I went to the doctor and I said, like, I'm not like worried, but kind of like a loss of weight for me. I'm not. Can't see me that much on camera, but I'm not I'm a huge person, so it is. Um, I just want to check and make sure. And I got testing done. She's like, "No, everything's fine." And um, and then I started to look at myself, and then realized I'm like, you know what? It's muscle mass. I didn't put the weight back on, not because there's like something wrong or it wasn't enough. It was actually a loss of muscle, and that's what really bothered me more than anything. Not so much like the look of things. I mean, part of it is is look, but um, that was more. Uh, motivating or part of a motivating factor other than than that itself so it, i mean they go together as you know you yeah don't have yeah. muscle mass you're not a strong it's exactly reality, exactly but, um probably just not something that unfortunately women um talk about a ton whether it's um i just think it's probably unfair to say well you look great because you're you lost the weights or whatever it doesn't matter if you're not look great or look bad because of this way you put on or whatever it's more like what makes you more comfortable and are you are you healthy and it's me it was be not feeling fit or as strong as i used to be as probably stronger in different ways but not the way that i want to be i guess or yeah. not thin. so i think i think maybe some of the trouble with that is that um it's it's harder to describe the feeling of not feeling as strong everybody understands when you say i i i like the way my body looks less we, we can all kind of like everyone can relate to that but someone who was strong and strong is always relative, but strong, you were at, you know, point X and now you're at X minus one. Right. And so that feeling is like, ah, I used to be there. I used to be there. And you, you might hear this from, from, you know, parents, dads who are I back in my day, back in high school, when I, you know, 30 years ago, I used to bench press, you know, okay. But that was 30 years ago. But now it's like, it wasn't that long ago that you were at that level of strength and it's just not there. And it's a feeling in your body. That's very difficult to describe to someone else who hasn't, who hasn't felt that, who's never gone on a, on a journey, if you will, of, of getting strong, getting athletic, getting to a certain level of body function and then not being there anymore. It's, it's a, it's a bit of an ego hit. That's for sure. I, I can feel it with myself every couple of weeks. You know, I, I go back to my parents' house and I've got a full gym in the basement and I get a lift in and I load up the bar, you know, not being too crazy, but I just try and say like, okay, how much have I lost? And every time I go back, it's like, it's just a little bit. It's only a couple pounds here and there, but it's like, I can still get that bar off the ground, but it feels way worse and oh, it just hurts my ego every time. Yeah. And I think, um, that's not, I think it's, I don't know if it's just me or like, as a as a former athlete right like you know high performance athletes and um i've seen a lot of them right over over my years is that is a common theme um I've seen former like national team athletes high performance athletes they're not happy with their body because we know what it's like to be strong and i think it's a funny thing um not a funny i think it's almost different with women because you kind of touched on it like the body image thing is is different for females and it, and it is because i've always been one that like want to power lift and lift and whatever i want to like lift with the boys and do all that stuff i grew up with two older brothers and it's like i can't be beat by those guys or like no guy is gonna beat me whatever it's just more of a you know it eat you're right an ego thing healthy and, competition yeah exactly nothing wrong with that um and it's funny i you know uh one of my uh one of my patients former high performance athlete and that was one of the big thing and then he's like really hit home with me it's like yeah i get it it's like 
you're not training five, I used to train six days a week, right? Like six days a week, I had strength condition, SNC, off-ice training, all this other stuff. And I trained year round. I got Christmas day off, New Year's day off and Easter Sunday. Yeah. Okay. And like maybe a week in between, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of training. And it's crazy. Like, obviously I'm not where I was then, but in mentally you're like, I know what it felt like to be that strong and how do I get back there again? So I think it's sort of like a, um, it's a mental thing for, for a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. The HVAC is really loud. That's okay. It'll, it'll, it might be a little bit noisy for anybody listening, but that's okay. I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, to filter it out to the sound, but not, not a problem at all. But, um, on the flip side of that, I think, I think something that maybe people can take away from this is post COVID, you know, when, when we have access to all the stuff, there is something special about feeling strong. And, and it's, again, it's something that's very difficult to describe, but when you feel strong, you take up more space in the world, you feel capable, you feel confident, yeah. you feel, you feel this, it's almost cockiness, but not really because you've been humbled by the, by the bar every single day that you're in the gym. So it's like, ah, I'm strong and I know that I'm strong, but also like, ah, I should have lift. I, you know, my lift should have been three pounds heavier like, and I missed that lift. And so there, there is something special about that. And this is why I've been, I've been switching my kind of, or trying to switch what I'm saying, uh, my messaging rather to go away from this total weight loss thing, because weight loss is, is sometimes I personally think that it's, it comes from a place of negativity. You're trying to, to take away something. When we try to add strength, the weight loss will likely come anyways. And you're, you're reaching for something greater. And then that feeling of being strong is genuinely strong is much better than the feeling of being small and just mm-hmm. skinny for, for skinny's sake, but not capable, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I like to focus on, and we get that too. Like that's, part of a question some people's goals are obviously weight loss it's a common thing I want to feel better I want to do this or whatever and kind of you touching on that I'm like don't think about the weight because those last you know and more you know with your experience those last 10 15 pounds are like the hardest and it honestly in the end of the day doesn't really matter that much if you feel better and likely you have to look at the inches right the inches change your muscles are tighter you feel stronger maybe you didn't get those last 10 pounds and that's not a failure i think it's changing you're right from the place of negativity it's not it's changing the way that we're thinking about it for me like my weight maybe didn't fluctuate a ton but it's like okay i went and i can do the push-ups that i did before and i'm lifting the weight and all this stuff i'm still not there yet but lot you know i'm trying to to get there get somewhere close just more feel confident about about what am i what am i doing like i'm gonna put this weight on and be like oh is this too much like am i gonna stop i just think i we gotta try and think about it in a a different in a different way exactly yeah and and it translates to everything else in our life like you you would be stronger and more confident to go and play with your kids like your your boys are young How, how old is your is your oldest uh, three and a half and one and a half. Yeah. So, so they're running around and I see on your Instagram, you guys are always active on the weekends and getting out <laughs> there and, and as they, and as they get more active, they'll, they'll start yeah. the brotherly roughhousing. I'm sure if they haven't already and, yeah. and that'll just get more, but you'll want to play with them and, and be part of that. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and what a shame it would be if you, if you weren't able to, because you were physically unfit to do so. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have this image in my head of a parent and a child I saw years ago and the kid was playing and the father was trying to run with him, but like just couldn't. And, mm-hmm. and, and I saw the look on his face and it was, it was terrible. And I thought, wow, like I'm, you know, far away from having children, but I, I would hate to be in that place where my kid just wants to run around and play and I can't do that with them. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm very physical with my kids, but that came out really wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, in terms of like, not really roughhousing because he's so little, but like lifting him and carrying on my back and putting him upside down. He's like, mom, carry me upside, upside down. And I'm like, cool. I know I can do that. And I just, and you know, he's only three and a half, but how long does it go for? I don't know. But, um, little things like that. And he loves it. Um, and like with my little one, he doesn't ask it so much, but he knows I like, I'll go and fly with him. So I'll lift him up and do all that stuff. I want to continue to be able to do that. And there's a point earlier in this year that my back wasn't feeling so great. Um, I got the treatment. I did all the stuff I was supposed to. Um, <laughs> but he's like, mom, I want to go on your back. And I was like, you know, I can't right now. And he's like, why? I'm like, well, my back is sore. Like I couldn't do those things. Um, he's on a run bike. And so... I run with him a lot. So I'm running, I'm pushing, I got my dog with me and I'm like running down the street and um, I don't wanna be the one to say, no, I physically can't do it. So that's another factor for me as well. And that's last year when I was, I honestly, this sounds so ridiculous, but I really got hurt myself because there was nothing else to do. And we just like walked three times a day, four times a day, biking, just walk, walk, walk. We went on a million, I'm sure my dog was in the best uh, shape of her life <laughs> that year, but it was just a lot and he wants me to run and all those things. It was just like a different thing that we used to, but again, sorry, going off topic, but that's exactly, I don't want to have to say no because I'm physically incapable or I'm, I'm hurt. I want to continue to be able to do that as, as long as possible because a period of time where I'll be able to do that with him is not very, in the grand scheme of things, is not very long. So you want to be able to maintain that, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that really motivates you or inspires you. It's not, you know, you're not going to stay up, you're not going to stay up all night thinking about, ah, you know, I don't look as good as I used to. Yeah. You might stay up all night thinking about, wow, I, I really wish I could pick them up and play with him yeah. for, for, you know, 30 years from now, you might think, wow, I, those times where I couldn't play with him, I wish I could have played with him if I had been in better shape. And that's what, that's what will really matter at the end of life. And, you know, I say these things and I know them in my head. I don't know them for real, obviously, because I don't <laughs> have children and yeah. I'm not, you know, 90 years old yet, but, but one yeah. day I, I imagine that's what it would be like, right? Yeah. I mean, and you get that with older people too. That's a hard mindset as well. You just kind of mention like your, your dad or whoever it's, or your grandfather. It's like, yeah, X amount of years ago I was doing this. And I think we want to be able to maintain as much as possible. There's obviously there's many limitations, but um, age, injury and all that stuff. That's, that's all we can ask for is to be able, maybe you don't, we can't run a marathon. I've never been able to run a marathon in my life. Well, I don't know, but um being real about realistic things right my, my parents are you know almost 70 um or my mom's 70 sorry mom um but you want to be that's the king he'll come over and he'll ask my dad to go chase him bring me here go chase me chase me both now my little one says chase me too so um my dad wants to get on the floor and do that um there's one time last year my parents were with the kids and Unfortunately, I didn't get the full video effect, but I think they were talking about cartwheels. So um, my son, he was three last, uh, just three or two and a half last year. And um, so he was doing it and John's okay. At, my husband's okay at cartwheels and I wasn't there. And uh, my 69 year old father um, thought that he should do the cart, sorry dad, <laughs> um, the cartwheel with, um, <laughs> with Theo. And, yeah, he fell and he's okay. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like an example of like the, the age and the physical, or hopefully we want them to, to match up 
with each other. And um, 37 now, and sometimes you like to think that you're you're still 20 years old, and, and we're not. But some in some days you feel like you're 37, and some days you you feel like you're still you're still 20 again. But it's um, I want to at least be able to do these things for one time. Yeah, for sure. Still not feel like 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 you said, like really think, should I really be doing that? I don't want to have to think about that just yet. Eventually I have, if I'm, I don't know, maybe when I'm 69 and I have grandkids and maybe grandma will do a cartwheel, I'll be able to do a cartwheel. <laughs> That's going to be my goal. I'll, I'll hold you. I'll hold you to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll check you with me. And <laughs> That's funny. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of starting to, or to wrap this up here. I don't want to take up too much more of your time in, in terms of like, just like you mentioned about the walking and how that kind of like threw out your back, not throw out your back, but hurt your back a little bit in terms of like the, um, the aggregation of physical activity, it takes, you know, walking, if you go for a walk now, a two, three hour walk, it's not going to hurt you. But if you do it all the time, multiple times a day, it adds up, but it also works in the reverse way where small actions performed many times can, can lead to great benefits. Like if you just do one chin up every hour, that would improve your chin ups by a, a heck of a lot over a period of weeks and months. And so what I would ask you is, given the current situation, as we head into things opening up, what advice would you have for someone who wants to get back in the gym? They were previously in the gym or physically active sports, whatever. How can they start now over the next, say, two to three months, small actions they can do at home to make that transition as seamless as possible? Um, The first thing would be like, obviously setting realistic goals, right? If you haven't had a gym, you don't have a gym at home, to think that you can go right into it um, is unrealistic, right? Um, you got to start like kind of tying into what you said. You got to get moving now, right? Do small things. It's I'm going to stretch at lunch and do a couple of things after those little things, um, will be helpful. Or like for me, a posture thing is, is huge. So like chin tuck, shoulders back, that little thing is going to make a huge difference going down the road. Cause what if you're going to go and you've been like this for the last year and a bit, and now you're going to go like, I'm going to do bench press. I'm going to do push ups, And most people do a lot of like anterior stuff and that's great. But like, if you do it in this position, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So even little things like this, that little bit of scap setting or postural setting uh, is going to go a long way. Um, like I said, over the next few weeks or a few months, those are little cues to think about. And same with like sitting all day, where we're in this position, right? Our hip flexors are really tight. So maybe it's just getting those little things in order. Um, or the other thing is just getting getting advice from the proper professionals. So they're going to be like, hey, Daniel, I'm ready to work out again. And you'd be like, maybe we need to do an, a reassessment now, right? Or if you got any aches and pains and that kind of thing, and you're not sure, that this will be the time to do that. I mean, it happens all the time in summer. Generally, people decide that they're fair weather runners or whatever the case is. Um, not to knock on those people, it's fine. <laughs> but like, you go, zero, you go from like March, whatever, when it's how many degrees and it's been beautiful and then you're all of a sudden to start running or biking or you got your weekend warriors, right? Maybe that, that'll, that'll come back. So it's the same thing, but it's like, I think it's a lot smaller steps than people think it'll be it's not just like a stretch here and there you got to do you got to get back into it regularly yeah i think just being patient is is the biggest thing and just realizing that it has been it has been a significant amount of time 
the first yeah. lockdown, you know, it was three, four months. Uh, you know, we, we all kind of lost a little bit, but not not a whole lot. You weren't a totally yeah. different person. It's been a significant amount of time now that the, the rules or the game has changed a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. You just got to take take the time to do it slowly, set realistic goals and seek help when you need it, whether that's from from a coach, from a therapist of any kind, you know, to put your ego in your back pocket for a second and and just reach out for help. It's going to it's going to save you uh, save you a lot in the yeah, in, terms, in like terms of pain and money. A little right yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and that kind of thing but just yeah just exactly. a little bit more consistent than you think yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful um i want to give you a, a chance here to tell me about what you've got going on uh sort of professionally the the clinic and and give me the give me the rundown on all that um yeah i don't know if they're going to see this on the on the video but you can see behind me this is actually the back door i'm in our in our back treatment room um i clinically i work at iconic health and wellness in in woodbridge uh it's at weston and, and seven is the area so um yes as we mentioned before i'm an athletic therapist but i treat patients from all walks of life from kids to older populations and that kind of thing. Um, the goal is always always the same. Um, and when I'm not here, um, I work with my fellow uh, AT here, um, Sharon Mosby, and we work with the provincial program or Ontario Regional Excel program. Um, I was working with the national team as well. I just haven't traveled since I've had kids. And last year was like another year to say I was going to travel again. Of course, that didn't work out. But um, hopefully when things kind of start to um, inch back to normal. That's basically something like to start traveling again. So yes, yeah, so you can catch me here at the clinic. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll, we'll put up my information, um, later. Or yeah. On. Yeah. I'll, I'll have, um, I'll put the contact information and stuff in the, yeah. in the show notes of this. So anyone listening, click on the, on the show notes and you'll be able to find Carla's contact information as well as, uh, iconic health, the clinics contact information. And personally, from my own experience, I know I did a whole episode. I think it was episode seven or eight, something like that on all the stuff with my knee. And I mentioned some of the stuff that we did together, but personally I can highly recommend Carla 100 out of 10. Uh, she saved my knee, um, saved and by, by extension, you know, save the way I move. You're, you were the first person to teach me how to squat properly. Like I never, I didn't know how to do it. We we tried to, and it's like, oh, whoa, what the hell was that? And if I think back to how I was doing it, uh, yeah. but but I learned how to move properly. And so I'm endlessly uh, grateful to you for that. Um, so so I could not recommend uh, Carla enough to anybody listening. If you're in and around Woodbridge and Vaughn, or if you can get there uh, and you have any uh, pain or, or need to just get a tune-up on your body, uh, definitely, definitely reach out to Carla for sure. Yeah. I just want to say like, my heart is like swelling, um, by you saying that cause you don't get a chance to, um, um, I guess if people don't know how we sort of randomly kind of caught up with each other, um, got back in contact, but is to be able to see, um, the stuff I did. And I was, um, this is, I don't know, I guess six, seven years, whatever you're out now. And so it was like, I would consider myself not a rookie, but very early on in my career um, to physically see, uh, well, not physically, but to hear about um, what your the positive effects um, this many years later and to see where you are right now. And that's just like, this is why, this is why we get into what we do to hear this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this, the same for me, it's, it's, it's about giving back, although I'm, you know, early just getting going in this thing. It's who can I impact and what, what are they going to do in five, 10, 20 years and, and how we yeah. all just kind of things come full circle. And now we finally started this, we get back in contact and, and, and can continue to grow kind of together and what comes next, who knows. But I think yeah. that the more that, you know, 
the good people in, in this in this game, in this industry, in this business can kind of stay together and continue to raise each other up is is just beneficial for all of us and spreading the message too. I mean, mm-hmm. people will think that, you know, again, that athletic therapy title, Carlo's the best therapist that I've ever met and worked with. Thanks. Call the title, you know, and, and, I, and I don't and I don't say that lightly. And I'm not saying that just to, to, to butter you up there. But I, I genuinely mean that. And some people might say, you know, they knock that athletic therapy title. The title doesn't matter. It gives you a license to to put your hands on someone and treat somebody. And what matters is is the practitioner, the coach, the trainer, the human underneath that title and, and how they operate. And that's what that's what the most important thing is. And that's what makes you so great. Oh, I, I honestly was like almost tearing up for a second. <laughs> almost got you. Five, six years ago, that's like what what uh, that's like what I wanted to hear, want people here. I had another sorry to extend this a little bit, but I had the person I was working with the other AT. Like I saw that time and time again. That's what people were talking about. She's like magic hands, doing all this and whatever. And I was like, this that's that that's who I want to be. Yeah. And that's what not the only thing, but like that's one of the things that pushes me every day. That. I just want to help people and to hear, um, I'm actually getting actually a little emotional, but to hear that is just, I can't even put into words what that means to me, but thank you. Um, yeah, just, just as well that we were able to catch up with the other, but, and thank you so much for, uh, letting me take up your time and chat away. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for your time. It's certainly much more valuable than mine is, uh, right now. And this is a, this is a pleasure, uh, to, to catch up and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to stay connected and, and yeah, absolutely. Um, one more time, uh, Instagram website, what all that, uh, listed off for people. Um, so uh, for the clinic, it's at I can iconic health, um, iconic. I don't know. You can kind of see it, but it's E I K. People probably won't see the, people probably won't oh, see the, the video of this, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Iconic Health, so E-I-K-O-N-I-C, Health, H-E-A-L-T-H. Um, you can also email us, uh, info at iconichealth.ca. Um, and I think you can put the phone number in there as well, but uh, email is probably the easiest right now. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Is there anything else you want to leave the people with uh, in closing here? Honestly, guys, stay safe, keep fit, and, you know, we're we're almost end of the tunnel, so keep keep pushing away. Almost there. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Carla. It it was a pleasure and uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye, everybody. And there it is. Another fantastic conversation in the books. Thank you so much to Carla. I really meant what I said at the end there. I didn't mean to get too emotional or sentimental, but it's very true. I mean, Carla helped me through the difficult, most difficult time, I guess, of my life, really, with all my knee injuries and and all that and and shaped the way that I think about the human body and it shaped the way that I think about as an extension of that, this is the way that I think about life in general. And I know that that sounds grandiose and, oh, you're just a little woo-woo now, D-Y, but it really does matter. And, and it's a hard thing to voice into words and to explain, but it means a whole lot to me, all the things that she taught me and how I've grown as a person through that. So I'm so happy to have had the chance to reconnect with her and to be in contact with her and to continue to grow together. I will include the show no- in the show notes the contact information for Carla and for the clinic, Iconic Health, E-I-K-O-N-I-C Health on Instagram um, and on the website as well. It's Weston and 7 in Woodbridge. If you're from Woodbridge, you know where that is. It's near the subway and you're right off the highway as well if you're not in Woodbridge, but you can get there. So don't hesitate. No excuses. Um, but that's it. I appreciate your time and attention. Make sure you're following me on Instagram if you're not already at Daniel Yoris and Twitter as well. Trying to get that going, I guess, a little bit. Um, make sure you like, and subscribe to the podcast, make sure you leave a rating and review. Those things go a long way, blah, 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 help the show grow. Let's do it all together. 
And that's it. I appreciate your time and attention. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Be kind to each other. That's it. Bye-bye.